Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Pastor Matt was talking about the prison that they went to, Madison Prison, and uh, there were, uh, I think, four of our guys that went out there, and they were able to play basketball. They were able to pray and minister. One of the guys came up to me this morning. He said, look, it was my first time. He said it, he said it changed my life. He said it was my first time to ever pray over someone and pray, pray for freedom for someone. And six of those guys accepted Jesus uh, yesterday. So there's rejoicing in heaven, and we're going to rejoice with them. Amen? Hey, uh, Pastor Jeff's been talking about this series on grace, and, and I want to thank him. He and, he, he and Pastor Jess are traveling. I want to thank them for allowing me the opportunity to speak with you this morning. It's always an honor every time I get to speak with you. And, and what, a, what a way to speak with you, right, to wrap up the series on grace. I'm super excited about this. You know, the enemy has one goal. When we talked about, hey, did he bring sickness on me? Did he bring suffering on me? The enemy has one goal. I believe. And it's been the same since the beginning. And that was to cause doubt and confusion over the things that God says, right? Did he really say that you couldn't eat of any tree of the garden, right? That was the, that was the first message that is recorded that he gave, right? Is he really as good as Pastor Jeff has been saying that he is? Is grace really that good? Can I really depend on him? And listen, there are entire movements, even under the cloak of Christianity, that are sort of designed to cause question and confusion about the infallacy of the Word of God, right? About how accurate the Word of God actually is. Because see, here's what, here's what happens. If he can get you to doubt the Word of God, then he can get you to doubt the character of God, right? And if he can get you to doubt the character of God, then he gets you to doubt what God actually says, and believes about you. And if he can get you to doubt what God says and believes about you, then he can get you to doubt your purpose. And I believe that every person who is in this room was called and chosen for such a time as this. Every person in this room has an absolute purpose that was destined from the beginning of the world, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, we're going to open our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Uh, we're going to read a couple verses there. We're going to skip around just a little bit, so, so don't worry. I promise um, I will make sure that you stay with me. Romans chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 1. It says, uh, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight. Listen, if you have your Bible or if you have an electronic version, highlight that piece right there, right in God's sight. We have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have a peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done with us. How many of you could use some peace in 2021? I know I could. Um, if you're taking notes this morning, and th by the way, that's probably a pretty perfect definition for righteousness, okay? Being right in God's sight. He says in verse two, he says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. I want you to highlight that piece too, okay? I don't, know if, I don't know if you can do that on your phone, but if you can, highlight that piece, undeserved privilege. Because undeserved privilege is probably the best definition I know for the word grace, right? We've been in this grace series. If I had to wrap that up in two words, it's probably that right there, undeserved privilege. And so I'm going to tell you a confession this morning. Uh, this is where I struggle just a little bit, right? Because I see how grace is applied to me for salvation, 
And, and we should, right? Grace is all about salvation. Grace is about bringing us into this kingdom. We're saved by grace through faith. But there's this whole other side to grace, right? What does God want me to do with it now? While I'm here on this earth, after I've been brought into this kingdom, what does God want me to do with grace? He says here that we've been brought into a place of undeserved privilege. In other words, there's an open hand of blessing from God. And so what do we do with that open hand of blessing? There's this whole other aspect of grace that can help us through absolutely any situation. And that's what I'm going to talk about uh, this morning. I got up very early this morning. Just by a show of hands, how many of you in here are early risers? Okay, raise your hand. All right. Uh, yeah, probably I'm going to say 30%-ish. Okay, how many of you in here stay up late? Raise your hand. You're the, you're the night owls. Okay, so a lot, probably a lot more of you. I'd say like 50 or 60%. Um, so I believe that those are the two types of people in this world, the early risers and the people who stay up late. Some people call them the larks, which I, I, I guess I get. The larks and the owls, right? The night owls. And I read, this, um, I read this study on a compilation that was kind of based off of this phrase by Benjamin Franklin. I'll see if you guys know this phrase. He said, uh, early to bed and early to rise makes a man, do you guys know the rest? Oh, somebody said it. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's right. Okay, so that was a quote by Benjamin Franklin. So they did this study based on that to find out if that's actually true. If, it's, if, you, if you go to bed early and you get up early, does that make you healthier, wealthier, or wiser, I guess? Um, so the study found that you aren't really any healthier, wealthier, or wiser. Um, in fact, uh, the evidence suggests that the owls may be actually a little bit smarter on average. Um, the night owls are better at baseball. I don't even know why I wrote that one down. But if you're looking to, um, I don't know, sharpen up your batting average or whatever, that might help you out. Uh, the owls have more bad habits, which that probably makes sense to me, right? Um, it said that the, the larks procrastinate less, and I'd probably buy that one too, maybe. Um, and there's some evidence to suggest that morning types may be a little happier on average. They may report being happier. I don't know if that one's true or not. Um, but listen, here's how it normally works for us. Okay, so Megan and I, I'm, I'm the one who gets up early and I go to bed a little bit earlier. And so uh, she stays up a little bit later. And so what we do is we'll put the kids to bed probably around 8.30, 9 o'clock. Every once in a while, we'll watch something on TV or, or catch a movie or something like that. And what I really mean by that is we'll both start it, um, but if it gets past like 10.45, 11 o'clock, like it's going to have to be real, real good for Ryan to stay up, right? I just can't hang. Uh, I just can't do it, okay? And I, I'll take that. That's fine. But what this does in our house is it affords Megan an opportunity to find some new shows that are out there, new movies, something like that. Um, and so she's able to surf around a little bit. Now, Meg is into these um, British shows, right? Has anybody watched the British shows? Like, who's into Crown? Like, those kind of shows? Okay, so I can sort of get into them if they're about British people, okay? If they're filmed... I gotta be careful how I say this. If they're... If they're look. Okay, let, let me just lay it out there. If it's foreign, it's going to be a little bit different, right? Do you know what I'm saying, right? If it's, if it's produced and made by British people, it's just going to be a little bit different, right? Because it's for a, a, a different demographic. 
Um, so for example, they have like these, so there's this one show that she found and, uh, this guy in here, he's got like really long, like, um, dark locks of hair and this just, and, and he stay, uh, so he's got, uh, his, his love interest and he falls in love with her and marries her. Right. But he, the way he stares out, like they just, this, there's this long drawn out stare and he's got this like smoldering masculinity. And I'll be honest, it's quite uncomfortable. Like once, once they start, once they pause for so long, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I just feel weird inside. Right. Um, but, but this show, it, it, it's actually really interesting. So it's about this British soldier and he ended up fighting against the Americans in the revolutionary war. Right. And he ends up getting injured and they send him back to uh, England and it's kind of chronicling his life back there. But what really taught, what, what really caught me on this is this sub story that's in there. Okay. So let me, let me give you a little background on the sub story. There are these two people named Drake and Morwenna. Okay. Drake is the guy, Morwenna is the girl. All the ladies, thank God that your parents didn't name you Morwenna. Right. So Drake and Morwenna end up falling in love, okay? But there's this problem, of course, because it's a drama and there's always got to be a problem. So, so here's the issue, okay? So Morwenna is a governess. And so a governess is kind of like a nanny, like a live-in nanny, all right? And you can tell she came from a life of privilege. She came from a life of, of favor. She's sort of in a higher station in life. Her parents could afford some education. She... Um, uh, she's not really had to worry about a whole lot in her life. Now, Drake, on the other hand, Drake is from a lower station in life. His family is, doesn't have the money. He's not had any education. He's, he's got to kind of work in some dirty jobs to, to make ends meet, right? But he's this really good guy. And so I find myself as an American in the 21st century, I find myself kind of irritated at the way people treat Drake just because of the family he was born into, right? He couldn't help that. He was just born into this family. And I find myself almost rooting for him like all the time, wanting something to change in the story, right? I want somebody to either jump in there and help him out or, or, or he gets some kind of, you know, training to do some kind of great job or he's able to save up a lot of money and be able to take care of Morwenna. But of course, there's this major problem because they fall in love and they're, of course, of two different uh, classes in society. And so this love is forbidden. Now, as an American, this is really hard for me to wrap my brain around. But in England, in the 18th century, there was this caste system. All right? And it didn't matter uh, what you did. It mattered to whom you were born and where you were born and the circumstances under which you were born. And you had nothing to do with that. You were either born to a higher class or you were born to a lower class. And depending on that, it would dictate the rest of your life, right? So... It's sort of frustrating to watch the way that he's treated. But on a spiritual level, that's exactly what Romans chapter 5 is explaining here. Okay, That when we were born, we were automatically born into a certain class. And the Bible calls it that we're placed on this planet and we're placed under the law of sin and death because of Adam's sin. So if they can put verse 12 up there, we're going to keep on reading. We're going to skip down to verse 12. It says, when Adam's sin, sin entered the world... Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. Isn't that nice? Because of one man's sin, everyone is now under the law of sin and death. You inherited this. You were born into this. You didn't choose this. 
You inherited it. Okay, you were born on this earth. So I'm going to use Drake and Morwenna as an example to illustrate uh, what Paul is saying here. Okay, so they they fall in love. Their love is forbidden. We know the story. That's what's going to happen. Uh, there's that's that's what creates the drama behind the story. And I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything. But in order to truly understand what their life is going to look like, we have to go all the way back to their birth. So Pastor Matt, would you bring those up, please? So. I have asked Michael and Pastor Matt to bring up two strollers here, which I had to look up. Did they even have strollers in the 17, 1700s? They, they did. Uh, they didn't look anything like this, um, but they did have two strollers. Thank you very much. Yep, you can put them right there. Thank you. Okay, so can everybody see these? Um, now, this is a nice new stroller, and this, one, this one's got some issues here, right? The, so the back wheels are missing. There's some duct tape on here. Uh, this thing is in pretty bad situ- situation. Look, this is probably a stroller like I would have had when I was a kid, right? Now, that's not because of lack of care of my parents, but back then, it was just a little bit different. Like, like they, ah, he'll be fine, right? They just put him in the stroller. Look, I was talking with Matt and Elena the other day, and can I ask how old you guys are? Okay, so like mid-20s, right? And I was talking to them, and, and it's obvious just like with like 20 years of difference, like how different our upbringings were. And, and I started, I, I know in my head I was sounding like the like, I went to school uphill both ways. And the, but like, but I told her, but I told her that I had never, I don't think I ever rode in a car seat. Like, I don't think I ever rode in a car seat. And she was just like, what? You, how did you not, how are you not dead? right? Look, I remember going on vacation one time. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I remember going on vacation. Uh, we went to a lake and I rode all the way to the lake in the back of a pickup truck in a lawn chair. Okay. <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking about because they were just like, yeah, he'll be fine. Right. And I was, I made it uh, to this point. Right, but Romans says so. So this one over here, this is going to represent Drake. This is going to represent all of us and how we were born into this earth. Okay, we were born into the stroller of sin and death. We were born into a life of sin and death. And here's what you can expect in this stroller: you can expect a life of trouble. You can expect a hard life. You can expect a life full of disappointment. You can expect a life full of death and poverty, and sickness. Because that is the curse that we were all born under. Now, verse 14 continues on. And he says, still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, hold your Hold your place right there, okay? Because look, I know this has all been bad news up until this point, right? This is, this is all terrible, but I promise good news is coming, okay? So he goes on, he says, now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come, okay? So we see here the foreshadowing of a promise, okay? We see here the foreshadowing of another stroller. Now this is a nice new stroller, as you can see, it rolls properly, and this is what a, a properly cared child probably should have, right? Cared for a child. So 
this is going to represent Morwenna, and this is going to represent a new believer, right, who is born into a different life, okay? And this is going to be a life of favor and a life of grace that we're born into. And now this life is going to be completely different, and this person can expect uh, love and hope and joy and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit that the Bible talks about, okay? So now baby Drake, he wants to get in the stroller with Morwenna, right? He wants to get over there to the stroller of life. So let me ask you a question. Is there anything that Drake can do as a human born in this life on his own to get into that stroller? What if he's a really, really, really good person? Can he get in there on his own? Can he get over to the life of favor and grace on his own? What if he bakes cookies with his grandma every Sunday. Can he get into that stroller? He can't get there on his own, can he? What if he volunteers his time to teach children how to read and helps little old ladies across the street? He can't get there on his own, can he? Because he was born under the law of sin and death. He was born under sin's domain. So when we say that you got to be born again when you're a Christian, when we use those for those phrases, those aren't just cute little words that we use. See, the early church believed that you were moving to a whole different caste system, that you were moving to a whole different life, that you were going from a life that was ruled by sin and death, and you're now moving to a life full of favor. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus when he said, look, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, you got to be born again. Nicodemus says, hey, I can't enter into my mother's womb a second time. Like I'm completely confused by this. He says, you have to be born again and you got to be born in the spirit in order to make that happen. And verse 15 really compares and contrasts these two strollers. And here's what it says. He says, there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Christ Jesus. For the sin of the one man caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death to the one man, Christ Jesus. And this is the verse we're going to focus on. We're going to skip down to 19. He says, because one person disobeyed God. Now, who was that one person? Adam. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. That's you. He said, but because the other person obeyed God, who was that person? Who was that person? Come on, say it out. Is Jesus Christ, right? Many will be made righteous. Listen, because Jesus obeyed God, you have righteousness in God's eyes. Do you know that? It wasn't even your obedience to God. It was Jesus's obedience to God that won your righteousness in Christ. And when you're born over here, can I level with you? We all deserve this. I know we blame Adam and you hear people say like, ooh, when I you know, get to heaven, I'm gonna hit Adam in the eye or something. Look, this is what I deserve. I know what I am. I know the motives that I have. I know the thoughts that I have sometimes. I know the things that I've done, the things that I'm ashamed of, and the things that I'm embarrassed of. You know, the Bible says for all of those things that there's a payoff. He says that the wages of sin is death. They're wages. It's like a paycheck. It's like you're going to a job, right? You earned it. And I know that from all the things that I've done in life, I know that I earned that. But he said the free, the 100% free gift of God 
is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you this morning, there is no strings attached to that. He offers that free gift to anyone who says come, and he's given us a dispensation. He's given us a period of time where he says, you come to me, and I'm going to save you. Every person's going to be able to know me. Every person's going to be able to talk, be, be taught by me. Every person is going to be able to talk with me individually. That's why when we come in here on Sunday mornings, and Pastor Matt's up here, and he says, come on, lift up your hands. Listen, he gave you that right. Now, I know sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we feel, we, we come in here, and, and we feel like we've got some issues, and we feel like we've got some, some things to work through. Your right standing with God was not one because of your obedience. It was one because of one man's obedience. And he says now, he says for you to come because all of the promises of this one, this one man are yes and amen. Listen, you've been unfaithful, I've been unfaithful, but the one who promised these things has never been unfaithful. He's never lied, amen? So we have a right this morning. We have all access to his throne this morning. And that's what the Bible's saying here. He says, you no longer have to fear punishment. You no longer have to fear God's wrath. You were bought with a price, and that price was the blood of Jesus. And from this point on, you switch strollers from the domain of sin and death over to the domain of grace and life. And it's a 100% free gift from the Almighty straight to you this morning. Amen? Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Listen, do you know every world religion throughout history? Every single one is based on works. Everyone was based on works. Now, the destination might be different, right? It might be spiritual nirvana or reincarnation or heaven or a version of heaven. But every single one said it's based on what you do. Even the Hebrews in Judaism, they followed that law to the... So Moses had the Ten Commandments, right? And that turned into some 300 plus statutes that they had to follow. And that turned into some 600 plus rules that they had to follow. And the Hebrews, if they followed those rules to a T, if they followed those to the letter, they knew that they could expect good things to come. But if they missed it, you can be certain that judgment was coming. Jesus Christ was the only one who said no. It's the perfect work that I accomplished on the cross. You believe in that, and you're going to have right standing with God. Yes. Amen. So listen, um, Drake figures out, right? We figure out that there's only one way to get from the stroller of sin and death over the stroller of favor and life, and it's through Jesus, right? There's only one way to get into this life of, of undeserved privilege. And now he's going to heaven, and that's a really great benefit. But what does Drake, what do we do with that grace that we've been talking about in this life right now? I believe that there are three things, and I'm going to list them out for you if you're taking notes, okay? Number one, God wants you to walk close with him, all right? So listen, that's not just on a Sunday, right? And here's what happens. And I know, because I feel it too. We come in here on a Sunday and things feel really good, right? And Pastor Jeff's up here and he's giving us an encouraging word and Pastor Jess is singing and it's like, oh man, I, I'll do it. I can go anywhere. I can do anything, right? And then that alarm clock goes off on Monday morning and you wake up and you go into the office or whatever you're doing right now with the situation that's going on. But there's that, you know, one ding dong at work that keeps messing with you. And, and then your boss is, you know, mentally insane. And you got to deal with that whole issue. And your kids are full of the devil that week. 
And we start thinking on things that are temporal and carnal when the Bible wants us to think on things that are eternal, the things that, that God has given us to think on for all eternity, right? The things that last forever. And see, in the garden, God wanted communion with people. God set it up like, that way so he could talk to us and so he could walk with us and so he could spend time with us. But what happened, if we want to take just a little theological break, is, is the Bible says that Adam handed over all of that authority. The Bible calls them keys. Keys represent authority in the Bible. He handed over the keys or the authority to, to that entire life of grace and goodness over to the enemy, over to the devil, right? And now this has put him in the crib and, and on all of us in the crib of sin and death. So let me ask you this. We have communion with him. We walk in here with him. And what happens when we mess up? What happens when we fail, right? Can, look, let's just be honest. We're gonna fail and we're gonna mess up. We're gonna have problems and we're going to do things that we're not supposed to do. But as Pastor Jeff talked about, he talked about this word repentance. And he said, all that means is because of the cross, we're able to come again back to grace. That's what repentance is for, right? When you mess up, the Bible, there's a scripture in the Bible. He says, what does it profit a man to, to when he's when he's corrected for his faults to take it patiently? In other words, don't, don't, don't sit and sulk in, in your issues and in your problems. Come to repentance, come to grace, and allow the blood of Jesus to do what it was intended to do. Amen? Number two, grace helps us grow into maturity in Christ. Um, I had this friend years ago, and Megan will know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, this guy, I loved hanging out with this guy. I, he's still my friend, and actually he's changed a lot, right? Before I tell you this story, he's changed a whole lot, Okay. But I loved hanging out with this guy because there was always something crazy that was going to happen, right? Every time you're around him, have, does anybody know anybody like that? That like, good or bad, like something's going to go on, right? When I just get around this person. And I remember he, he, he just, he, it seemed like uh, just craziness followed him all the time. I remember this one time we were, we were driving downtown in the city and I was driving and he says, hey, pull. So this is when there were payphones everywhere, right? And he says, hey, pull over next to this payphone. And there was this guy talking on the payphone. And I mean, this is like three feet away from the car, right? This is right next to the curb. Okay. And he says, hey, hey, I want you to roll down the window. So I'm like, what are you doing? And I rolled down the window. And he gives this blood. So the guy's back is to the car. He gives this blood curdling scream. He goes, wow, like that. This guy throws the phone. He like doesn't know what's going on. This guy turns around. To, uh, so, so my buddy's like, go, 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 drive off, right? Now look, I have heard some cursing in my life. This guy was inventing curse words. Like he was so mad. And, 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 and my friend is just like laughing like this is the funniest thing, right? This is the kind of guy he was. And so there was something crazy that was always going on in his life. And I remember it got to this point where like, it was, it was like too crazy, right? There were like things that were happening like that, that weren't good, right? I remember Megan and I were married. We were married for a very short time and it was what, like midnight or one o'clock in the morning when he calls me up and he just says, Ryan, I need you to come over really quick. Don't worry. There's a lot of blood. And if you have a gun, I need you to bring it. And I'm, 
and click and hangs up the phone right then. And I'm like, dear God, like, do I call 911? Do I just go, like, I don't know what's going on, right? And it, it ends up like he's in this crazy situation. Some guy ends up like stabbing him. And I'm like, no, 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 we can't, we can't do this anymore, right? We're going to have to have a little distance, a little separation. Okay, but there are people like that who, who there are just like ups and downs all the time, right? And, and, and there are people in their spiritual life where there are ups and downs all the time, right? And when, when there's drama all the time and, and sometimes things are good and my job's going well and, and I feel like I'm right with God and I'm on this mountaintop, but sometimes I feel like I failed and, and I feel like God's angry with me. And as soon as I feel like that, I feel, I feel distance from him, right? I feel like I'm far away from him. You ever feel like God's just angry with you? You ever feel like you've let him down? You've disappointed him? You know, over the past couple of weeks, Pastor Jeff has done a, a really great job at, at addressing a, a really common belief that's taught in the church. It was taught to me when I was young in the faith that we are, every time we fail, we're like oscillating in and out of covenant with the living God, right? It's a common teaching, and I remember when God was revealing some of these things about righteousness to me, I actually had a friend of mine who, who, who addressed me and he, he was like, Ryan, he was like, you're, you're, you're teaching wrong. And he said, he said, and, and he quoted a verse to me. He said, he said, there's a scripture in first John 119. He said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. If you don't confess each sin, he's not going to forgive you of those sins. And I remember sitting back and Lord, like, what do I do with this? And I don't even know how to answer this guy, right? And this is what came out of my mouth. It was the Holy Spirit. I know it had to have been because I said, have you confessed all your sins? Like all your sins, sins of omission and sins of commission, right? In other words, the sins we know that we did and the sins that we don't even know about. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is a sin, it says that to know to do good and not do it is a sin. See, that word there, if you look it up in the Greek, that word in 1 John 1.19 is homologeo, which you don't need to write that down, but it basically means this. It's an acknowledgement that, Lord, I am a sinner and I need you. It's not so much a listing off like the Catholic Church, right? And furthermore, if you had to confess every single one of your sins in order to make it into heaven, then the thief on the cross who looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he never made it in. Remember, that's the one Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. The woman, the woman at the well who said, okay, come see a guy who told me everything that I ever did. Never confessed her sins. How about the apostle Paul who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, right? God knocks him off a horse, says, hey, Paul, today I'm going to show you what great things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. See, what God is concerned about is that word repentance, which means you've got a heart towards him. You're coming again to grace because of the cross of Christ. And when you come to him, just like that thief on the cross, you say, Lord, just remember me. He says, today you're going to be with me. Today you're going to be with me. Another common teaching is that when you fail, it severs your communication with God. Okay? That, uh, that he only hears the prayer of repentance if you've sinned. Can we address this one real quick? Okay, so uh, if they'll put Luke chapter 11 up, verses two through four, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, teach us to pray. And he says to them, now this is Jesus Christ himself. 
instructing us on how to pray. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sinned against us. All right, so now Jesus Christ is teaching us to pray like this. He starts out with praise, Father, hallowed, hallowed is your name, right? And then he goes to praying about God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Then he asks for food, right, for his, for his personal needs, right? And then he says, and Lord, forgive us all of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Listen, if we're friends, it is normal and natural because of my love for you that if I do something wrong to you, I'm gonna come to you and say, you know what? I'm sorry. And I'm gonna try my best to never ever do that again. And I'm asking for your grace and I'm asking for your mercy to forgive me, to be with me, right? But that's what covenant is, is coming again to the cross. Because of the cross, we can, we can, we live now The Bible says that sin is no longer the master of us, that we live under the law of favor and grace, and we live under a life of his blessing and his privilege. I remember this guy came in and talked to me one time, and he was was completely at his end, and and if any of you have ever dealt with addiction, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Um, This guy was addicted to actually to pornography. And he had been addicted for 24 years. And uh, uh, this, this thing had a true grip and a hold on his life. And, and he had tried everything that he could and could not get free from it. Um, and, and he would repent and he would feel like a failure. And it would take him a few days, these are his words, not mine, to feel like God trusted him again. That's what he told me. What a lie orchestrated from the devil to keep people in bondage. And he would tell me that about the time that he would start feeling good again and start feeling like he was right with God again, that he would fail again. And it was this never ending cycle. And I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, what, what, what do I even say to this guy? I don't, I don't have any answers for him. And I remembered this scripture and we opened it up and we read this together. And it was in Isaiah 53, if they'll put it up on the screen. There's just a couple of verses. It says, but he was crushed for our rebellion. I'm sorry, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We left God's path to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He had done no wrong and he had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. By the way, this was written several hundred years before Jesus Christ was ever on this planet. And it ends with this interesting verse in verse 10. He says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Another version says, it pleased God to crush Jesus. And so I told this guy who was sitting, sitting in my office, I said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to promise me. The next time that you fail, you're going to say one simple prayer. You're going to say, God, I thank you that you crushed Jesus so that you didn't have to crush me. 
And this guy broke down. He started sobbing. And look, I know he sobbed for 10 minutes. And 10 minutes doesn't sound like a whole lot of time. But when you're watching somebody that can't say a word and they are sobbing, they are weeping for 10 minutes. And God set him free that day. And I checked up on this guy. This is years, years ago. And every time I call him, he says, hey, I'm free. God set me free. His grace set me free. Listen, you may have been struggling with stuff for years and years and years, and you've got these proverbial chains on your life. And you've been working with them and fighting with them and trying and trying and trying. When you understand what we're talking about this morning, that you are no longer under that domain, that you're in a new stroller, you're in a new caste system, you're in a life of undeserved privilege now. Because of his grace and his favor and his righteousness, look, those chains that you've been working with, I promise they're just going to fall away. See, the reason God wants us free is because we were born for such a time as this. Here's number three. Worship team, you can come on up. We're going we're gonna to wrap this thing up. Number three. Here's why you were called for such a time as this. Now, this is the payoff, okay? Because we were called to reign with him. All right? Now, I know that we all have this concept that we're going to reign with him when we get to heaven one day, right? And that's true, okay? But the Bible says that here in this life, we're going to reign with him. See, we were born, you were born for such a time as this. And I know this time right now that we're going through, I know that it's crazy. Believe me, I want relief from that too. I want comfort from that too. I remember I called my dad. This was a couple months ago. I called my dad and I said, dad, you know, you're a little bit older than I am. You've been through some things that I haven't. Just tell me, give me some good news. Tell me that, that, that this thing, that, that, that it's going to oscillate, right? That yeah, things are crazy right now, but they'll kind of get back on track. He said, Ryan, I'm 70 years old. I've never seen a time like this in my life. But see, you and I were called and were chosen to live in such a time as this. And that means he's equipped us with the grace and the gifts and the passion that we need in order to make that happen. See that last verse we read, Romans 5, 17? You don't have to put it back up. But it said, if death reigned over everyone because of the one man how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, come on, say that with me, say abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, how much more will they reign in this life because of Christ Jesus? It doesn't say in the life to come. It says that we're going to reign in this life because of the one man, Christ Jesus. See, when Christ was crucified, he was buried, right? For three days. He was buried, that scripture right there said in a rich man's tomb. Where did Jesus go during that time? I mean, I know his, his body is in the tomb, right? Where's Jesus? Where's his spirit? Well, I'm going to tell you something. See, now listen, we don't have a perfect picture of this, and I'm not claiming that I have a perfect understanding. But the Bible talks about him going into the depths, okay? And it, and it says that he revealed himself to the dead while he was there. And he preached to the prisoners, he preached to the captives and, and released those captives. He preached on himself. He preached about himself. You know that when he rose from the dead, the Bible says that there were dead people walking around. 
that they had been resurrected? Can you imagine what that looked, looked like? So somehow in these three days, he goes to the depths and he takes that authority that the one man had given over to the enemy over this world and over this life. The Bible says he took those keys back. And this morning, he offers them to you and I. He not only called us, but he equipped us. See, that's what grace is, okay? The law demands, grace provides. And so this morning, he says, look, whatever you bind on earth is gonna be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is gonna be loosed in heaven. In other words, when you pray, heaven is paying attention and all the authority of heaven is behind your prayers. When you come in to worship him, all of heaven stands by. Look, the Bible says that there are elders around the throne, that there are, it, it talks about some weird stuff in Revelation. There's some beasts up there and there's some angels up there and they sit around the, 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 the throne 24 hours a day singing, holy, 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 holy. They're just worshiping the Lord. But the Bible says that when the song of the redeemed is sung, in other words, somebody who's gone from this stroller into this stroller, from the life that was governed by sin and death over to a life that is now governed by favor and grace. When you begin to sing that song out of your mouth and you begin to praise him, all of heaven stands at attention. You have the undivided attention of the living God of creation. Do you know that? And why? Because Jesus has called us to partner with him in this last day. He said, you pray like this. You pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. It be established on this earth. Look, that is my and your job to invoke his kingdom and to invoke his will on this earth, to have his kingdom reign on this planet. And when you come to him, he gives us that authority. 